The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneur Show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. Everyone, my name is KM. We're just on the Evolvepreneur Secrets show with John. Uh, what an amazing episode. You guys should definitely tune in. We spoke about all things from social media, real estate, trust, uh, processes, and you know, uh, you should definitely tune in. Amazing episode. Cheers. You're listening to the Entrepreneur Secrets Show for Entrepreneurs, and I'm John North, your host, and my mission is to help entrepreneurs to make a difference in the world and, and basically get a more understanding about things that happen and how to actually adapt and evolve to it. So we're going to dig deep on our guests, and today I've got uh, Curlis Mansour, which is KM, if I can screw up his name, which is what <laughs> um, He's actually a real estate... Um, uh, I'll probably get into a little bit of... It. He actually sells real estate online, but it's a very different kind of approach. Um, and he's got an entrepreneurial mindset, which a lot of necessarily real estate agents don't necessarily have. So it's going to be an interesting interview. Um, he attained a master's optometry, so he's actually op- optometrist, right? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing. Everybody's learned something, and ends up being the same thing they learn from. It's quite interesting, and particularly in entrepreneurship. I think it's like you learn something just to learn it. You don't actually learn it because you want to be one. And got a passion in business, had run two businesses previously. Um, it's a property buyer's agency based in Sydney called First Brick Property. And he's very passionate about helping people become financially free. So um, to tell us, what did you do to get to here? Like, obviously, start off as optometrist. What you like, was that after school? After, because you're not that old by the looks of you? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, after school. So finished school, wasn't really sure what um, I wanted to do. I mean... I knew I wanted to get into some sort of business, um, and and you know I had some offers to do um, to study business at you know University of Sydney, um, but it just seemed like a waste of time in my mind. It seemed you know four years to get a business degree, and I mean everyone's got a business degree, right? So yeah. <laughs> what does it really mean? And does it really get, does it help you get a job? Does it help you start a business? And um, so I wasn't too too keen on doing a business degree. And then my best mate um, told me, "Hey, I'm I'm moving to Geelong to study optometry. You want to come?" <laughs> I said, "Oh, I don't know. Let me look into it." And I looked into it for like two minutes. And, no um, joke intended, right? No pun hey, intended. Yeah, let me look into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. No, no pun intended, mate. And um, and it was a and it's a five year degree, but if you didn't take any breaks, like no holidays or whatnot, you could do it in three and a half years. And I, and I thought to myself, well, you don't need a business degree to to do business, but generally you need a bit of money, mm-hmm. and um, optometry pays well. So I uh, I said, yeah, let's do it. So I moved to Geelong uh, with my mate, and we studied optometry, and I hated every second of it, um, of, of the study anyway. Um, living in Geelong was it was a nice experience, but 
um, the study and whatnot. Yeah, it wasn't for me, but it was a it was a tool to to get to where I needed to be. Mm. Oh, you know, it's yeah. fall back on it. I suppose the worst case scenario, right? Yeah, that's it. It's still registered. So. <laughs> not, not that I practice though. Well, that's a big. It's a big money spinner. I've got to tell you, every time I go there, Tom just seems to come out much poorer results. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I uh, when I was working, I you know, as an optometrist, you get your glasses and whatnot for free. Um, even recently, I had to purchase glasses, and obviously not working. And mm. I was like, oh, that's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so now I know how my patients felt. Yeah, trouble is you're actually helping people see, I suppose, it's something they want, right? That's it. So um, in terms, and, and I think you're right in terms of this kind of university kind of stuff is where you're learning business. And I think it's, in some respects, I guess the old theory is you're learning something to show somebody can learn something. But I think I worry that they, what they teach them has got nothing to do with anything. I was actually talking to a guy, I was at a conference, um, Elite Marketers yesterday, and I was talking to this guy that actually, his kid finished school, and he said, like, he, he was learning all this business stuff, and it was so irrelevant um, that he said he'd rather just running his own business and learning as he goes than it would be to try and learn that stuff. And I think, I think maybe that's more for corporate. I don't, I don't think they really, I don't think that business school is really an entrepreneur's business school. It's really a, like giving you the framework for a larger type of business, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I... You know, when I looked into it, it was very much, you know, large-scale operations, large-scale HR um, kind of uh, subjects and whatnot. And, uh, I, you know, I read a book uh, called My Personal MBA or The Personal MBA, something like that. And um, essentially, he's written what – he's done an MBA, the author, and he's written what is the key mm -hmm. points of this MBA. And it's a pretty thick book. Mm -hmm. And I read it and realized, yeah, this is all, you know, if you're trying to be an exec – in a big company, it's not really got anything to do with being an entrepreneur and, you know, starting a small business. And mm. obviously there are lessons, but mm. uh, you could probably save yourself a lot of hex um, <laughs> by, by not going to do that. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, maybe it's more for people who want to actually get employed in a larger business at the end of the day. It's not necessarily. So I think, I think the entrepreneur journey is something that, and it seems like I hear it all the time. It's the same, same with me, right? I, I worked for a bank for 12 years and ended up being a being self-employed in for like 30 years and I happened to buy a mistake and I think the same principle you it's like you start off on one journey thinking it's okay and then you sort of pivot to something else and then suddenly the entrepreneurial thing kicks in and I think that's when people sort of think oh well I'm not going to do that anymore I'm going to try something else that's more interesting to me yeah for sure yeah yeah so how did you end up in real estate of all things though like it was it something that you you did personally and then sort of moved into it or yeah pr pretty much so I mean, I always had a, uh, so I always had this entrepreneurial, um, these tendencies, to be honest, when I was young and I was doing stuff that, you know, a six, seven year old shouldn't be doing, like you should be playing sports and whatnot. And I was like trying to raffle tickets and sell my toys and whatnot on the driveway. And so I was just doing weird stuff and um, it kind of carried on with me. And, you know, when I was at university, I had a perfume and makeup business and I was selling perfume and makeup to um to my lecturers in the exams and whatnot. And I used to sell chook eggs when I was about 11. <laughs> they <have chook> eggs <laughs> business. That's it. That's it. And, and, you know, I was, I was selling running socks for a guy. Um, he actually ran for Australia and uh, the Commonwealth Games. Uh, I won't mention his name, but I, you know, he, he created a great product, but he couldn't sell anything. Um, so I was selling socks and perfume and makeup and it's just what I enjoyed doing. And then my, my dad sent me a book. Uh, he, he probably got this book from a seminar and my, my dad doesn't read um, books. And it was called My Four-Year-Old, The Property Investor. And he sent it to me when I was in Geelong. And I was like, oh, I've got nothing to do. Um, Geelong's a bit boring. So <laughs> at the time, anyway, there's nothing there. So 
I read this book and it changed my mindset about everything. I was like, wow, this is real estate. Is There's money in real estate. So I started just educating myself on every single, uh, using every single platform to to learn about real estate. Social media, um, sites, podcasts, blogs, books. Um, a lot of books at the time it was more popular than, than podcasts were back then. Um, and I just knew, like, I just knew everything there was to know about property, genuinely. And so I started, then I got, when I graduated uni, I sold my perfume and makeup business and I got my first contract as an optometrist and I went to the bank. They gave me money. And then they said, you know, go buy what you want to buy. And then I was like, great. I've got all this theory on how to, how to buy property and how to create a portfolio. Mm. But no one's actually told me, how do I pick the spot? Mm. How do I pick the right location or the, the right property? Mm. So I did more research. And a lot of that's emotional, right? I think that most people, when I used to work in the banks, they're very emotional based, particularly when you're buying a home. Correct. Buying investment property is a little best, but some people, people are very emotional about things that, that cloud their actual logic, right? Yeah, hundred percent, and hundred percent. That's you know part of you know a big part of our, our business and what we do, and uh, trying to remove that emotion. But yeah, I just didn't know, and so I just started researching, and and I kept talking about data, data. You got to use data to find the right investment spots. And I was like, well, what data? So <laughs> I, I kind of I really delved deep, and then I started building my own spreadsheets, just to, just for myself, mm-hmm. and then eventually found you know a property, bought something. But then after that, I was really interested. So I kept updating and building my spreadsheets and it got to a point where I covered every single suburb in Australia. Um, and, you know, we're talking over hundred to 150 data points per suburb. And then my friends are like, Hey, help me. And I'll, I'll help them buy property and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then one day, I, you know, most of my friends don't appreciate an Excel spreadsheet, but one of my friends is an accountant. Isn't, it, was, isn't it quite taste, right? <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. They it see is. It, their eyes glaze over. I see it happen. It's <laughs> a bunch of numbers. But then I was showing my mate who's an accountant. I said, hey, look at my my spreadsheet. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. Um, and I was telling him, you know, I helped all these people. And he's like, do you know you can get paid to do this? I said, what? So, yeah, someone's going to pay me to, to buy property for him. That's mad. And he said, yeah, yeah, it's called buyer's agency. So I looked into it. Um, and I actually already had my real estate license. Right. Um, so I had, I had done my license just because like during that phase when I was educating myself, I was educating myself. Like I did a license for no reason, but just to know what the real estate. Yeah, I mean, it isn't like. that hard to get a real estate license really, is it? Like, it, 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 Yeah, well, the course, the real estate certificate is like a two-day thing. Mm. Um, but the license at the time was a two-year diploma. Mm. So I actually, it took me two years to get a, the license. And I had no intention of using it right. just, just to get the education. So the license lets you run a a agency mm-hmm. a certificate lets you work as an agent right. so i had the full license and i wanted to know everything they knew so when he told me about this buyer's agency thing i looked into it and i was like yeah well i've already got my real estate license i can help people buy property mm-hmm. i like to help people i like property mm-hmm. i quit my job and i started first brick right yeah nice <laughs> straight and, away yeah. and so how did you get your first customers like was that something that was that more friends and family kind of referral kind of stuff or did you Find, yeah. you know, think of something way to try and get those people. <laughs> so there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of free work. So mm. there's a lot of free work because yeah, it was the first days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when when I started, I think it was four and a half years, five years ago. 
buyer's agents were very, very small. It's still very, very small now. Most people don't know what a buyer's agent is today, but mm. five years ago, they, there was a lot less knowledge of what it was. Yeah. And so people didn't even know what I was doing. I, I didn't even know what a buyer's agent was until someone <laughs> told me, right? So um, now, you know, there's shows on Netflix, you know, luxury listings and whatnot. So people are getting exposed to it. And there's mm. there's a few more buyer's agents out there. But five years ago, generally, my friends, my family, no one knew what it was. Mm. So a lot of what I did was... Um, a lot of what I was doing was educating people just of what we do. Mm. And and that's why there was so much free work. I said, well, let me do it for you. And let me show you the benefits of using a buyer's agent. Mm. And um, let me show you the benefits of, you know, of how much time it can save you. Let me show you the value I can bring. Mm. And then with the idea of obviously all this free work, eventually someone's going to tell someone, and then that someone might pay me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so it took me about six months to get my first paying client. And I, I charged him like $2,000, which is not. And I think the thing you remember with this scenario of going real estate, right, is no one is on your side when you go to buy real estate, right? The bank isn't on your side. They just want to lend you the money. They don't really care what you buy as long as they can get their money back if you don't pay, right? Real yeah. estate agent who's selling you the property doesn't care. He's working for the guy to sell it, right? So no one in this mix really cares about the person buying it. And thing that scares me the most with real estate is that um you know you can if you try and buy a car or do pretty much anything else you go through the ringer when you buy real estate they just let you buy it but they don't tell you oh by the way you know like there's a massive cost over here that's going to come up or anything like that no one warns you about any of that right so they never look into it so it's on you buyer beware right that's all buyer beware and i think it's worthwhile it's almost like having an extra check on something for someone else's mind to look at something that'd be worth the investment because you know i don't know what you're charging now but even two thousand dollars to find out that this property is not suitable is probably the best money you'll ever spend. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you're 100 right. One of the biggest value adds, or you know, is making sure you don't get it wrong, as mm. opposed to getting it right, as well as getting it right. But um, not getting it wrong is really important, and because getting it wrong can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Control your destiny and create a complete business system for your online business. Evolvepreneur.app offers an easy and cost-effective way to build your online business by helping you avoid the pain and stress of implementing multiple systems, giving you the freedom to automate and scale. Support our sponsor by grabbing a free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at Evolvepreneur.app. Yeah, I was just at an auction the other day. I was talking pretty show about it with you. And that, that property broke a suburb record. Mm. But that property didn't even have an OC, an occupation certificate. Right. So if someone found out, if council mm. found out something, mm. well, they wouldn't be able to live there. And mm. that was a two and a $2.2 million sale. Yeah. You know? And that's on the buyer's. $2.2 million block of land now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a buyer beware. And mm. so a big part of our value for sure was helping people not get it wrong. So, yeah, it took about six months to get our first paying client and only charge them to two grand, which, you know, obviously was just paying for stuff and mm. data and information. Um, and then it just, you know, that person three months later told one guy and I was just doing free work in between and just kept doing that. And then we did have a social media presence and all of that social media stuff was just about educating people mm-hmm. on what we do and how we can bring value and, you know, using it some sort of a, a way to, like social proofing, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yep. He's an industry expert. Um, come and have a chat, Evan, see how we can help you. 
eventually, you know, all that free work and all the networking that we did with, you know, brokers, accountants, financial planners, solicitors, all of, all of it got to a point where it just started to click and mm-hmm. uh, probably like a year and a half later. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was just like, when's this going to work? And then all of a sudden it worked. And I had spoken to some buyers agents before that, um, who are who are quite nice people and um, very successful. And I said, "I'm doing all the right things. What's going on?" And they said, "Trust me, it, it'll just happen." Mm. And that was the worst answer you could have given me because, what does that mean? It's just going to happen. Like there's no, you're telling me there's nothing I can do to change the outcome. It's just going to happen. Mm. But sure enough, it just happened. And then one month, we just signed like ten clients at our mm. full service fee. And it was a, an accumulation of all the free work we had done, the yep, referrals yep. from them, the word of mouth, the domino effect, plus our social media stuff, plus like it just everything kind of hit at once. Yep. And then I was like, oh man, we have way too much work. <laughs> and I was like, this never is work, never wins. Eh? You can't just have a nice flat thing scenario. No, nice, right no, no. stuff. It's all over. You know, it's over boom or bust. So, um, but that's kind of how how it happened from like the the first client to to where we are today and it's just continued to grow ever since and i think it's a like the old stone in the water kind of ripple effect right like you it you, you, you toss it out there and nothing really happens and then suddenly and 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 i've done a lot of books and stuff and suddenly you, you talk to someone who's read a read your book or something and said oh, i did this and you think well i didn't even know that like it's it's like stuff that you see you that you send out you never see back and then suddenly it, it has that effect and so I think that's the hard part is you don't really know what's going on out there in, in, in their mind at the time um, and how they happen across you. And a lot of times it's by accident as well. Like, oh, this is just somehow managed to there. But it's about putting on layering on that that extra activity because um, yeah. activity does equal results at the end of the day. It's just a matter of how much activity you're willing to do to get there. That's true. And I think one of the things that I sort of like, <laughs> and I talked about it before, was that my feeling is that and, and I've been in this game a long time, so I've seen a lot of things come and go. Um, and I think what happens is people's reliance on social media as a marketing tool, um, given that the, the big tech can just shut you down tomorrow. And I mean, real estate's probably not too bad, but if you're in medical or any sort of industries that actually are very highly regulated, in real estate to a degree is, particularly when you're lending money, um, you know, you can get banned or, or shut down on social media quite easily. And, and there's a risk factor of growing that, you know, and having a lot of followers and suddenly tomorrow you don't have them anymore. Hmm. And I think the concept of understanding is probably no pun intended, but your own bricks and mortar thinking, right? Because at the end of the day, it's your business you're creating and you shouldn't be told what to do in your own business. Yeah. And I think that part of the problem is now is it's, that these big techs are starting to tell you what you do and what you can't do and what you can't say. And I think that's a scenario that we, you know, small business in particular entrepreneurs need to understand because I think just feeding that engine and hoping it's all going to happen um, and not be able to control it is, is, is to me is like dangerous because you don't know what's going to happen next. And so one of the things that I feel like you should be thinking like your own media company. I think if you start saying, okay, well, if I'm, if I know about my stuff about real estate and, and agents buying, I should be the go-to place for that then I should be a media place to actually come and get that information from as, an, as a source. And I think if you start thinking that way, it's just a mindset change. It's not much more than that. Mm. Um, but I think it's, it's a way of kind of preventing you and future-proofing it um, and being able to realise that, you know, you are the business, not not those social media pages as such. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I definitely agree. 
And um, I think social media is very important um, for building brands and whatnot, but it's, it's a tool that we use for our, like you mentioned, bringing the info back to us and bringing people back to you where you are, you know, you're your own brand. You're not, you're not Facebook's brand or someone else's brand. Like, and, and, you know, if Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, whatever it is, shut down tomorrow, a lot of people would be like, well, what do we do? Mm. Um, and uh, you can see a lot more now, you know, like with TikTok, especially, I think you have a lot more uh, TikTok influencers or whatever mm. they're called. Which and, I can't even um, realize that's a real job. I can't uh, get yeah, that one. <laughs> and making, you know, lots and lots of money off it. Mm. But if that was to disappear, where would they go? What would they do? Mm. And um, I think it's, you know, it's important that, you know, I think if you're providing value, and so all of the stuff we do, you know, everything links back to our website, everything links back to, you know, you get on a mail list and, you know, you're always going to get information. Yeah. It's just about showing, Hey, here's information that we're giving you now. And, you know, we're using the social networks to distribute that. But if this wasn't here, nothing changes on our end because you, we've built our own brand and then you'll be able to find us somewhere else and we'll be able to educate you differently and we'll be able to talk to you. And that's why it's good to do these um, you know, podcasts and whatnot, because these are completely independent. You know, no one's controlling it. No one's telling you what to say and what you can't say. Exactly. And, and you're right. Like sometimes, you know, we don't really do ads, but the couple of times we've tried to do ads gets blocked mm -hmm. um, because you can't do ads on financial advice. Yeah, like that. yeah pretty, pretty much can't do ads on anything. <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> I've discovered over the years. It's almost. Pretty, pretty much. So it's like, even if we wanted to utilize their, their ad service, Mm. we we can't even do that so it's just really about bringing that free value um to people via the socials and then bringing them back to you onto via websites or or just getting on the phone with you and building your own own lists and building your own you know blogs and whatnot so it's completely mm. independent so one of the things that are uh, the pr term they call it earned media so basically you have to go out there and you have to earn it you can't pay for it so you get on tv or or with that sort of stuff. And I think that's um, highly much better value because you've actually earned to get there <laughs> and rather than just paid to get there. But yeah. the downside is obviously it's much, much more hard work. And one of the things that, and I haven't, haven't actually, I've quickly checked your website, but I'm not sure whether you necessarily do this, but a lot of the times when you go to websites, one of the things I don't think about is what happens when the media comes to my website, what, what happens? And if you're smart, you put a media link up there and this can be a menu option or whatever, it just says media. And what happens is you build out that section purely for the media that comes there and make it easy for them. So you give them the um, information, you give them screens, you know, like video, images, videos, stuff they can use, uh, content they just copy and paste because they're all going to be, you know, they're busy, lazy people with the media, right? They'll just grab whatever they can and they screw it up, they screw it up. Yeah. And that's it, you've lost your chance. So getting that right and having a, having a, a media, what we call one sheets and things like that, to make it really incredibly easy for someone to actually just take it and oh, I can interview you here all is. Um, it's something I don't think a lot of people know and I think that's, you can always tell people to understand the difference between, you know, the comings and goings of social media if they have a media page. And yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. I mean, 
I, I hope you didn't criticize our website too much because I didn't look on <laughs> your quickly. Yeah. So I looked, yeah. it looked pretty good okay. to me, but I didn't actually it's, go into the media side. It's under, time, so. it's under construction. There's a completely new website coming. So what you're seeing now is just like a dummy, dummy website. So <laughs> uh, there's something brand new coming. Um, Somebody's always, you know, something nobody's ever happy with their website. I've found out. Yeah, no, <laughs> one, no one is. That's all. We're always changing our websites. And, um, but yeah, earn media. It's you're right. Like on on Instagram, you know, you know, I've done social media for a long time, mm-hmm. and um, and we post very consistently, mm-hmm. and um, and quite often as you know, twice a day, and it's you know, but again, it's about bringing things to you. But you know, it's all organic, and so I I know how it works. I and mean, sometimes I'll see a page, you know, twenty posts, eight hundred thousand followers. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, it's really clear that you know that's paid for. Mm. Um, you know, you're, we're on like 800 posts with a thousand followers. Yeah. So, <laughs> Posting quantity doesn't equal equal followers, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. But it's you know it's about like sometimes it's just clear and it's it's mm. it's clear when it's fake. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't fake. You know, when you're on um, like when you're on the TV, on the news, or being interviewed or something, you're right. It's the media, and it, and it adds to that. Um, adds to the social proofing but i think like a times 10 x 10 mm. um to to your reputation and your industry expert you know evaluations and whatnot yeah yeah and i think that's the trick is becoming that industry expert um in that particular area and, and people understanding what because most people will come to you because of your knowledge they won't come to you because of your business name or your logo or anything like that they're going to come because of the knowledge that you might be able to help them save money or make money yeah. and i think that's the thing that um people forget is that that's what people are naturally attracted to. They're not attracted necessarily to big corporate looking places. Like they don't necessarily want that. They want that, um, know that the person they're dealing with knows what they're talking about and they're not going to get ripped off or, or uh, told the wrong thing. And I think that's the, the risk factor. <laughs> the funny yeah. thing about Australians, as I discovered, was that uh, Australians have the lowest trust levels in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and it seems to be like one of the biggest scam places in the world too. So I don't know how get that one. So how can Australians have the lowest trust level yet we pay out the most, a lot of money in scams, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing is about that trust level. And that's the difference between someone doing business with you or not. I think if they don't trust you from the get-go, um, then you're never going to earn that trust easily. Um, it's always that level of mistrust that's going to bring you down. Yeah, tr- trust is everything. Um, you know, we, we just hired someone part-time join us and they'll be going full-time soon and you know we're going through the process with them from a to z on how we take care of our customers and whatnot i said to them the the biggest part about this is they've got to trust you because you're 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 taking care of their half a million one million one and a half million dollars one of the biggest lifetime purchases some people ever make right usually it is the biggest you know, not a lot of times people are spending more than, you know, a million dollars on something. So mm. um, it will take. So it's, it's often their biggest asset or the biggest purchase, the most emotional time they'll go through trying to, you know, buy these properties. Um, it's very stressful. And I said, if you don't, if they don't trust you, you, you you've lost them straight away. Mm. Even, if, even if they're a client and they don't trust you and it, it's just going to be a headache from start to finish. You're going to be fighting with them. You're not going to be working for them, um, working with them. And so you're right. It's, it's trust is huge, a huge part about it. And you can't, I don't think you can fake, fake trust. I think it has to be pretty, pretty real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you are right. People are, 
Australians are skeptics. <laughs> yeah, I reckon you can like, make it in an Australian market. You can make it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I look at the US market. It's like, oh, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the Australia, the amount of conversations I've had with with people, and which is completely fine, I get it. Um, but it's just so much tension and so much uneasiness around just saying yes. Um, and what I find is most of the time, once they say yes, they're completely switch and like they're extremely trusting. And mm, they've, made the, they've made the decision between, you know, to make a decision, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think it's just that that bit before, but once they do become extremely trusting, they obviously get the rewards out of it and, you know, working with good people. But, um, and, and I think you should be a bit skeptic because you don't know who you're talking to unless you, you know, you see and do your proper due diligence and, you know, look them up and research them and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting point. The... It's kind of crazy because I bought this house. I'm in now for, I've been here for 20 years in this house, right? I bought it in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I went for a drive out this way. There was a bunch of buildings, a bunch of like 30 houses for sale. Most of them were gone. There was only about three left. And I took a drive up, quite liked it. And I guess being in the bank and being involved in real estate, you know, you, your brain goes through those things really quickly about what you should be looking for. Yeah. Um, and most people don't. But with two, two hours later or less, I'd seen the house, picked it, paid a $1,000 deposit and settled a month later. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like most people I hear, like particularly in the Sydney market, for example, is it's it's like a like a Hunger Games, right? You're basically trying to beat someone out. And, and then when I bought the house, it was just me or the agent walked around, didn't deal and walked away. And I think... That's part of the problem is, is the amount of time that most people end up spending on this sort of thing because they're trying to find the right sort of property mm-hmm. um, and all that sort of stuff. And I was just lucky that I found the right place at the right time at the right price. Um, but that's, you know, we are that lucky, I reckon. <laughs> um, you know, but I think that's the thing is it's, it's all about timing. Um, yeah. And then if, you know, I guess in your situation, you're telling them, I guess, I guess your process works a bit like I'm guessing is that you, you, you find out what they want and then start looking for it. Um, and that could pop up at any old time um, in terms of that. You have to be ready to kind of jump on it, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, our, we, we don't work with anyone that doesn't, isn't pre-approved. Mm-hmm. And biggest reason for that is it can happen at any time and we need to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a pre-approval, there's no confidence when we're negotiating because we don't actually know if you can get the money or not. Where we start having to add clauses, finance clauses and whatnot, and then your your offer becomes very weak. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we, you have to be pre-approved and then the process becomes, you know, what, what are you after? What are your goals? What are we trying to achieve? We run a data analysis. We find the best locations for that particular person with that budget, with those goals. Mm-hmm. And then we go look for it. And we speak to all the agents. We have all the off-market properties available, pre-market properties. Uh, we, we run independent valuations on every single property we find in our target locations. Mm-hmm. And then we we only present the stuff that's under market value. Now, the locations we're buying in because of the, the data that we're looking at, generally, these are extremely hard areas to buy in. Mm-hmm. Usually, there's nothing for sale and everyone wants to buy in it. Yeah. Um, you know, the supply to demand the Flies that get in the mail that for people trying to sell my house over the last twenty years, and they come, they come knocking on your door. They send you flies. Yeah. They send you Christmas presents. Whatever they're trying to get you to buy, sell that house. Yeah, and it's because there's no supply in these. You know, in the in the good. You're lucky area. one or two houses come up for sale around this area every every few months. Yeah, the the good areas there is no supply, and you know, and there's people that want to buy it. So it's very rare that we find a property that's actually undervalued. 
and we don't buy anything that's overvalued. So it might take a little bit of time. Even you know, three weeks later, I'll email the client and say, hey, we've got two properties, both under market value. We need, a, we need a go. And within an hour, we could have a deal. Obviously, we'll then do our, do our due diligence and we structure the deals that we do our due diligence after getting a deal. But it's it's crazy. Like sometimes we're, we're, we're I'll speak to an agent on a, on a Monday and he'll say, he said to me, yeah, yeah, we're, we're doing an open home on Wednesday, whatnot. And then we say, oh, can we get in early? He's like, no, no, no. Calls me on the Tuesday, property sold. Whoa, what happened there? You know? <laughs> and, and, then, and a mate. It's some and, friend who, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a friend or you find out how much someone paid and you're like, yeah, fair enough. Don't do an open home. Take that money and run. Mm-hmm. And especially in the hot market, it's it's really crazy. But yeah, you got to be ready to rock and roll and uh, you got to trust the person that you work with to be able to make these decisions for you pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a nice thing about it is that at least you've got someone, I still come back to the whole concept of someone on your side. Um, as opposed to someone trying to make money out of you, really, because when you follow the money, and ultimately, you know, you've got nothing to win or lose <clears throat> outside a bad reputation of telling someone to do the wrong thing. But at the end of the day, like, you know, that's it. Your only option is to do the right thing in that situation. Yeah, definitely. You know, for forever in real estate in Australia, there has been no one representing the buyer. It's mm. always been the seller. Mm. And, you know, buyer's agency in the US is very, very common. I think almost 80% of all transaction, property transactions in America yeah, go through a buyer's agent. Whereas in Australia, I don't know what the numbers are now, but when, when I started, there was only about 2,000 buyer's agents right. as opposed to 75,000 real estate agents. Mm-hmm. That was five years ago. I think buyer's agents is probably around the four or 5,000 mark now and real estate agents have obviously continued to increase. Mm-hmm. But no one's there to help the buyer. And... A lot of times I speak to people and they say, oh, the, the, the real estate agent told me this and that. And I said to them, look, you know, real estate agents, I know a lot of really good real estate agents, but at the end of the day, they work for the vendor. They're salesmen. And, they're going to they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna say what they have to say to get a sale. Correct. And they get paid based off the sale price. Mm. And so their job is to get the most amount of money for the vendor because they get paid more. Mm. And when you speak to a buyer's agent, and there are buyer's agents that you got to be, 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 uh, beware of uh, because they they tell you they don't charge mm-hmm. and you think well how do you get paid mm. you know and usually what these people are doing they're selling you off the plan house and land package or a development site and they're getting paid from the developer so yeah. obviously then they don't have the best interests of the mm. client at heart so you really got to speak to and find out where they're getting paid and you know we 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 charge our clients a fee it's a fixed fee and that way they know regardless of the purchase price regardless of where we buy it we don't have really you know, we don't really care it doesn't affect our um obviously we care but it doesn't affect our you know that our home doesn't affect the prop, how much money or time you have to spend on it anyway, isn't it correct so they know that this person actually is trying to help mm. and then you jump on google have a look at reviews you know 50 60 five star whatever it is um mm. nothing else and say, so okay, I can trust this person. They're there to help me. They're going to make sure we get the best result. And I tell my clients, I'm very, I'm very transparent with my selfishness. Mm. If you do really well from my purchase for you, well, a few things are going to happen. You're going to give me a good review, which is always great. Mm. Um, but you're going to tell your friends, which is great, because I'm going to get more business. I mean, you're going to make a lot of money, and you're going to come back to me. Mm. So we're all going to make money. Yeah, so yeah. 
Because it keeps on giving when you think about it. Like when you make a property and make money, right? You're always going to remember the people that are part of that mix, good or bad, (laughs) in that situation, right? right? That's right. And so you have, you know, the trust goes both ways because Mm. I've got to trust that I'm going to do a good job for you. And I know you're going to come back and use me and, you know, tell your friends and help my business grow. So, yeah, for sure. Sense. So um, tell me a little bit about who's your best customer that you're looking for. Like someone said, oh, who, might, who would I like to do business with right now? Yeah. Um, tell me who that one might be. And obviously, <laughs> it's an Australian market, so this podcast goes out worldwide, but it doesn't really matter. The principles are the same. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I would imagine you deal with overseas buyers as well. Is that, yeah, yeah. We, we've customer? had a couple of couple of people um from new york and dubai and um you know china and whatnot expats usually um that we do get a few foreign buyers not too many to be honest um because the rules are pretty tough on them (laughs) yeah um but yeah we get a lot of expats that want help buying property um obviously they're not in the country so it's pretty difficult for them to do so but i think you know our our favorite clients really are probably first time investors. Mm-hmm. And and the reason for that is we get to firstly, there's no mistakes made so far. Yeah, the be, first ones can't be the hard one, right? That yeah, can be yeah. the end of your real estate career or real that's, estate portfolio. <laughs> that's right. The, the, it's a clean slate. So we don't have to carry on any baggage and we mm-hmm. can actually structure a proper portfolio, yep. potential portfolio for these people. And, and, and we get to show them like where they're at now and then in you know, X amount of years, X amount of properties. Hey, you might retire. You could be financially free. And it's a lot easier than people think mm. as long as there's some sort of strategy. And, mm. you know, with the first time investors, it's a clean slate. So we don't have to, yeah, we don't have to fix mistakes or oh, why'd you buy that unit? You know, you're, you're carrying all this debt and you're not making any money on it and things like that. So it usually has to be an emotional decision, but I reckon that's correct. The time. You, did, you, you clouded the financials with the emotion and then the emotion took over. So nice. <laughs> You know, real estate agent told me this, you know, whatever. Yeah, it happens all the time. Or it was, you know, or their investment property was a house they lived in and then they moved out and they didn't want to sell it or something. So it's now an investment, but well, you're getting a one and a half percent yield. It's not really good. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so we also, and I, I love to educate, I love to teach people. So first time investors, you know, in their 20s or 30s, mm-hmm. yeah, where they're just so keen to to learn as well. Yeah, um, open to it. Yeah, yeah. Those, those are my favorite, to be honest, favorite customers because it's just they they're open to learning. They're open to a new way of uh, purchasing property. Um, a lot of you know we're living in a world of kind of instant gratification now, mm-hmm. where people don't want to work and wait. So yeah. usually, usually the younger guys are like, "Why would you want to anyway?" Really, when you yeah. think about it. <laughs> but the younger guys are like, "Just just do it for me. Just do it for me." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, where some of my clients you know customers who are probably over 45 mm-hmm. kind of grew up in an age where it wasn't instant gratification you know yeah. you really took your time and you, you mm-hmm. and so they when we're working with these guys it's not that it's difficult or anything but they they want to be a lot more involved in the process mm-hmm. <laughs> um which can slow down the process sometimes and unfortunately not be in their benefit because yeah, they missed out opportunities they don't want to make fast decisions on yeah correct yeah. correct which is cool like we completely understand it Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, first-time investors, I think those are definitely our favorite. Just we get to really shape their portfolio and see see their lives changing, and it's pretty cool to, mm. to tell someone, "Hey, you know what? You're we're one property away from financial freedom." Or, "Hey, you've done it. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to work, you don't have to work anymore." 
you yeah. know. Um, yeah. COVID cool. certainly taught that a lot of people don't want to come back to work ever. <laughs> oh, no, no one wants to go back, mate. Everyone, no one wants to work anymore. Well. I think the biggest mistake governments made was locking people up because then they realised that life was different, and I think that they everybody was fine with the whole illusion of everything, and then suddenly they got locked up and said, "Hey, this is not so bad after all." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to go to work. I can work. Yeah, why not? And I, I drove back from the, on the M2 yesterday, and it felt like. 20 years ago, like there was so little traffic yeah. in comparison. I, and this was like six o'clock at night, which normally is like, you know, wall-to-wall traffic. Okay. Yeah. And and it's almost like it's changed. And I thought, well, that can't just be a one-off necessarily. I kind of been that lucky because I haven't driven that M2 for so long that they picked a day that was so quiet. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, it's a tight sign of the times. You can see, well, that's pretty easy to know that what's going on. People are spending more time at home. Um, and they're also probably working from home. So they're not going to the city anymore so a lot things have changed and you can't go back to what you thought it was before so you have to start looking around paying attention and i think that's the real estate people are always going to want a real estate at the end of the day they've got to live somewhere right yeah 100 percent. so you always need a you need a roof over your head mm. and um real estate is the only investment in the world that is not dominated by investors mm. it's dominated by owner occupiers yeah, and, yeah. and because of that you really gotta you know uh navigate the minefield otherwise yeah. <laughs> you're spending a lot more money than you he wants yeah to. and that's yeah. the problem is an emotional decision at the end of the day so tell me if someone wants to get hold of you what's the best way to do that um, yeah so if anyone's interested well. in having a chat um you know our website at www.firstbrick.com.au mm-hmm. uh, or you can email us at hello at firstbrick.com.au Um, or find us on any social media and send us a message um we'll be there as well yeah millions of different messaging apps nowadays (laughs) yeah i know but you can you can find the app and link them all to one cool make it easy and i think yeah i think it's a valuable service and i and you know i've I've always believed that you know having that person on your side is is what you need to make sure and make follow the money like i think if you look at who's paying who then you'll understand what the outcome is and i think most people don't think about that yeah. In a lot of things, not just um, property buying, but anything you're doing, you know, just think about the money and who gets paid what, and then you'll quickly work out who's on your side. Yeah, 100%. Well, once you know who's getting paid and from where, you can pretty much figure out within a second. What your journey is going to be like, right? Yeah, that's it, 100%. Cool. So really appreciate your time, and maybe we'll come back and we'll talk to you again sometime. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippernors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at startupsecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an Nippernor, make a start on your next great business idea today.